Inappropriate Earl in the house. A big thank you to Fast Eddie Pence yesterday. One of the nicest dudes in comedy. And today is a busy day at the Inappropriate Earl Podcast Center. Not only are we back in the top 10 on iTunes, but I have two episodes I'm dropping today. This is no joke. Comedy sometimes is no joke. I have a surprise secret guest coming up, but my next guest is no surprise. He's literally one of the nicest dudes, maybe the nicest guy I know in life. Forget stand-up comedy. Uh, And he's proof that nice guys do finish first in this business. You've seen his Netflix special. I believe he's the first comic I've ever had that's had a Netflix special. Oh, wow. You know, I have people that aren't uh, on the Comedy Central uh, team. You know, you, sometimes you got to go to the uh, the other side, as Aerosmith would say. Take me to the other side. That's for you, Neil Edwards. Steal Neil Edwards. We have Steal Neil Edwards, one of his Austin, Texas comrades on the couch right now and Hello. had the best callback set for Montreal just for laughs that I've ever seen. Wow. Going on number Stop. 12th at the Laugh Factory. Thank you very much, <laughs> Jamie Masada. I'd rather showcase for the Mossad, the uh, Israeli Secret Service Agency, than that buffoon. <laughs> Mr. Jerry Rocha. Hello. The, Thanks for having me, dude. The gentleman, Jerry gentleman. Rocha. Yes. I, you, you know where I got that from, right? I thought I just gave it to you. You <laughs> To be honest. Someone else gave you that. That was the name of my special. And I was There you uh, go. And I it was after the uh the gentleman Chris Adams. Right, uh, who uh we might just get deep into wrestling. We probably uh, will. Well, you know, this podcast as you know has no format. Um <laughs> why should they? Well, I mean, I, I I'm all isn't it better just to fucking just talk and whatever? Like why do you have to have you know, I think I'm standing right now because my uh, torn ACL injury is a little sore right oh, now. Dude, I have a bad back. I feel you, man. Sometimes I have to stand. I hear it. Oh, my knees uh, 49, but I still win more hockey trophies. And some 15 year old out there, huh? Than kids <laughs> half my age. <laughs> you guys should be fucking embarrassed. <laughs> and all you guys wolfing around at the comedy store, scoping chicks. I beat all of you out. Except for Dalia, that's you know, just sometimes. Hey man, there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you just have to take that loss. Sometimes you, know? you take second place. In yeah, life. yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about Bill Dalia, his brother. Uh, <laughs> uh, but dude, you've I've known I've known you for so long. Yes, I can't. I was trying to think today before you came here how we met. Ireland's thirty-two. And it's so funny because we talked about that yesterday with Eddie Pence. Nice, yeah. Eddie, who he comes on my podcast a bunch, Eddie. And what is your? Let's get the plugs out of the way. There's no rules. Should we? It's called the Ramble. It's just that's mine. And then yeah, my one hour special on Netflix, a gentleman Jerry Rocha. Can I do last one? I have a CD called Pickle Dick on iTunes. Uh, please, dude. That's it, man. Uh, well, no. And where can people find you on Twitter and all those? Yeah, yeah. Twitter is at uh, Rocha Comedy, and then Instagram is at Jerry Rocha Comedy and R O C H A. And I'm telling you, please. Like I said about Eddie Pence yesterday, buy this man's CD on iTunes. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Follow him when he's on tour. Uh, Watch his Netflix special. Um, You know, there's a lot of great specials on there. Jerry's is one of the better ones. Dude, thank you, man. Um, Thank you. And 
Ireland's 32. Like, that's crazy that the talent that was in that room at times. Dude, it's it's amazing, right? Like, that was that was like one of the few places that I remember, like, you could just kind of go up if you nobody knew who the fuck you were. And that guy who was the Shane, the one who The legend Sinatra. of Shane Kelly. Yeah, yeah. But he was a singer who sounded just like Sinatra and he ran that. And that's where I met you. We started talking about movies pretty quick like that's how we kind of bonded i remember and pro wrestling i mean pro wrestling it probably didn't take long to get there because you know i'm from dallas and you know like that i used to go my dad used to take me to the sportatorium to see the world-class championship wrestling when i was a little kid all the time and that's like you know i talk a lot about wcw wrestling uh ecw and you know obviously wwf but uh, world Championship Wrestling had some really where the Ultimate Warrior was the Dingo, Dingo Warrior. Warrior. Okay, not many people like I remember him. He used to do. He used to be on uh, Ford commercials back in Dallas as the Dingo Warrior. Like he would just and he would cut those same Ultimate Warrior promos, but just for like a Ford. Like it was, what it the? was amazing. And because they had this character named Joe Greed, who was like the, the the spokesman for this. He was like the the the, the mascot for this. Uh, Ford dealership called Westway Ford, and he would always cut promos with the Dingo Warrior to do commercials for uh, for the uh, car dealership. I mean, back way back in the day, people probably thought he was selling Dodges, uh, even though it was a Ford commercial. Like he's so out of his mind. Right. Rest in peace, Jim Helwig. I really, I was talking about it with Eddie yesterday. I really think he was trying to die on Raw that night you, you know he was trying to have it happen in the ring oh absolutely yeah. live tv yeah. as a final yeah. fuck you to vince <laughs> you know because the minute he let go of all his bitterness and hatred he was killed him. yeah that's Which crazy it keeps me going personally <laughs> the bitterness see the all hatred. those roast battle comics strutting around the comedy store like conor mcgregor in a fucking ten thousand dollar suit boy they get they got a shock when that show comes to a close. <laughs> Good luck there, Jack. <laughs> Look, this is, I'm going to say, can I say something? Dude, it, we're interviewing each other. You know, okay, like, I, I just, I just, I like it's, and no offense to the roasters, right? But they're always the weakest part of the show. Like the best part of the show is is Moses. It's you. It's the wave. It's the judges. You know what I mean? Like that's that's why you tune in. You know what I mean? Like that's that's well, why you watch it. Uh, you know, I'm uh, just saying. I, mean, I went sorry. rogue. I, I I'm I'm like the ultimate warrior. I come and I go on roast battle. You know, <laughs> we have problems and then I come back and, and then, then I want extra money. Again, uh, right before Survivor <laughs> battle, I say I want more money or I'm leaving. <laughs> they give it to me and then they kick me out. Uh, you refuse to get squashed like, well, like, you like know, Stone Cold. I'm, he didn't want to dive to Lesnar that easily, so he bailed. I'm, I'm that... very picky with who I battle. <laughs> you know, I get a lot of battle offers every week which is really speaks to the rankings of that show when someone who hasn't been on the show in a goddamn year gets more battle offers than the champion see i'm going into promo mode that was a good promo i liked it oh i got a promo for someone but i'm gonna hold on. oh wow nice man yeah. I, what a tease earl are we ever gonna hear this uh, is it ever gonna happen sooner than you think oh shit no oh, shit no but i mean i uh roast battles it's literally given me everything so yeah. uh you know although there were some things that 
you know, possibly uh, went down that I uh, was not a fan of. Uh, it's uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, I, dude, I, I admire it all from a distance. Like, I don't have that roast gene. You, you know do, I mean? though. I don't have it. So I like watching. I, admi- I like admiring a really good, like you and Jimmy Carr. That was fucking incredible. Like that was. And then Jimmy Carr the year before at JFL was, did he oh. took that place Everyone was you. You were there. Like I remember when you. It was just like when he the the comeback he gave. I think it was Will Anderson when he goes. If you want my comeback, you have to scrape it off your mother's teeth. Like that was like oh shit. <laughs> Jimmy's a mad, mad man. It was amazing. Uh, I mean, he you bested him. You took him. You beat him, man. A lot of people don't think I did, but uh, hey, you got the you got the L. You get you got the W. If you look it up in the record books, you won. That's I all mean, that matters. I retire people on Rose yeah. Battle. <laughs> You're like uh, when Randy Orton was a legend killer. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> you know, they put they always put me up against people they want to see when. Hey, let's put them up against Earl. <laughs> Earl will make it fun. Well, I do a little bit more than that now, don't I? <laughs> and I'm just paying really an homage. I'm no Mencia. I'll, I'll out who I'm stealing from. <laughs> uh, I steal my whole roast battle vibe from Rick Rude. Rick, that's a good one. Yeah, was a, you know who I think would have been a great one would have been, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, shit. Of course, now I'm forgetting his name. He's a leader of the Freebirds. Uh, Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes. Michael Hayes would have been a great that that guy. Oh man, that would have been a that, that would come on. That would be a dream roast. You go up against him. Well, on, I you could do that. I asked uh, Jeff Ross, who uh, you might see on this couch sooner than later. Oh. <clears throat> I mean, uh, should I leave now? No, no. Coming in uh, later on. Uh oh. It's, it's not the shock master, <laughs> but the teaser. roast master himself. Uh, but uh, I mean, me and Jerry have. We've been talking for 15 minutes already. I haven't asked him one question. That's how good we get along, man. Yeah, it is. Uh, You know, you're someone I wish I saw more of. Yeah, ditto. Uh, Yeah, it was weird. Like, it was so we met like like 2003, 2004. Ireland's 32. Those of you not knowing what it was, uh, because I don't think I I really explained it yesterday, it was an um, it's an Irish pub. Still there. Still there. The same bartender, Alan. Yep. Uh, Irish pub in uh, where's Burbank? Yeah, or Sherman Oaks, I think, or, it's, or maybe Van Nuys. It's on it's Burbank. That, it's on Burbank Boulevard in the Valley. It's in the Valley, yeah, and, right uh, next to a Carl, across from a Carl's Jr. That we would all go to. Yep. yep. Uh, and it's a very uh, loud Irish bar. People playing darts in the middle of the comedy show. TVs on, showing that usually it would be Monday Night Football or something of that nature, and. Uh, I, that's where I made though like ninety percent of the friends I still talk to today were the people that I met there. That's yeah, where I made that friendship. It was that it was it was an interesting had a great vibe to it. Uh, the show that Shane ran it was just fun. And he had the weirdest rule that you could not swear. Yeah. And yep. what was great about Shane? Yep. Uh, you know, the, he didn't care who you were. Yeah. You could be me. You could be you. He banned Ian Bag. I remember that. Because Ian swore. <laughs> and like Ian was like, what the fuck? You know, like, are you kidding? I can't say fuck. Uh, and Shane like took the mic from him. Like, here's Ian Bag, this huge comic, you know, tours the literally yeah. the world. Uh, more TV appearances than probably uh, oh, anyone I know of. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, yeah. constant uh, Ferguson's, Kilborn's, uh, Premium Blend's, uh, 
Tonight Show. And one of, one of the all-time smashers, too. Like oh, my that God. That guy just obliterates brooms. It's crazy. Like, he, he just, that dude, yeah, unbelievable. His crowd work is... Unbelievable. You, yeah. know, you know, I would have a couple shows with him. And, you know, I never really kill, to be honest with you. But, you know, I'd have some good sets. Right. And in my head, I would be like, follow that, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, five minutes later... After he had been on, I felt like I had bombed. Sure, of course, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you always feel like you like, bomb after he's like, oh, wow. wow. Maybe I'm not that good. Yeah, he, dude, Ian's incredible. But right, he banned him. I remember that. Guy. Yeah, Please. so it was like a crazy place like that would ban an A-room comic. Uh, and But you had guys like, you know, Jerry, uh, myself, uh, Ty Rivera, who's, you yeah. know, blowing up in, in the, uh, not just the gay That's comedy right. world, but, right. you, you know, the... <laughs> comedy yeah. world that's where um, i met all you guys man uh, was at that place. so many uh big names that you know it's like literally uh that you know room was uh like the bar in star wars yeah yeah <laughs> i mean half the crowd didn't want to be there it was all it, it, for it, the it was that weird like the first couple of sections past the stage were into the show and then you lost everybody else like everyone else was just yeah whatever like we could care less we don't want to be here but if you were able to sometimes get the we don't give a shits that was such a great feeling oh or yeah those moments where you could kind of get the we don't give a shit to look up and laugh or you know that was always that was always it <laughs> you had a minute to get them yeah and if you, you did really not did. get them in that one minute you were yeah. done um because uh, it would literally be like dominoes in that room yeah dude where uh oh god yeah one table would talk and the next table would go oh we could talk and then it would just spread around the room and uh you know and conversely that was the the worst feeling is when you started losing them that was like oh god oh boy because then it just like you said it was just like it just turns into the entire room not giving a shit and all the comics in the back you know are loving watching you eat it vomit oh uh, yeah you know yeah jerry's a great guy but this is hilarious yeah <laughs> look know. at him i would just play the golf game in the back yeah there yep. was a uh, that one where you roll uh, the little roller golden tea yeah golden, yeah, golden tea. tea so yeah. when a comic started bombing i'm like i'm not watching yeah this. <laughs> I, uh, I i'm the i'm the same way i all i I, I don't like watching somebody bomb whether even if i don't like their person i don't i just can't i get no satisfaction in it i just i just feel like dude because that could be me tomorrow that could be me in an hour i just no i hate seeing it i know some people say they enjoy they laugh and think it's fun dude i hate watching somebody bomb it just like i'm like oh god okay it I depends i mean i used to like following someone who bombed in theory right. going oh wow they're gonna love me but then you spend half your act trying to dig out of the hole they got into it's better to follow someone that's killing yep even though although you know you you name dropped him but uh neil edwards had he has the funniest line that we did you know back in texas we would do shows and if if everybody bombed and then he would go up and it would without fail he would just smash right like he would take a dead room and just crush and then he would always like after his third joke he would look at the crowd and go i don't I, he'd look at the crowd and go i don't know what the other comics are talking about you guys don't suck i think you guys are great like it was such a perfect way to acknowledge how everybody else bombed but him you know it was really i don't know what these you guys are great you're not a terrible crowd i don't understand what the other comics are are talking about you guys are fantastic Brian Holtzman's the same way. Yeah, he does that. Uh, he'll do. He'll <laughs> like, you know, there was a, we did a sh shitty restaurant gig a couple weeks ago in Los Feliz. Everyone was bombing. I mean, I may have had the worst set I've ever had in, in 20 years of comedy. Right. Just couldn't get them. 
and I walked off that stage thinking, this crowd sucks. And it's not a great venue. Sure. You're in the side room of a pizzeria. Yeah, those are never fun. And then he went on for 30 minutes and killed. Just kill, I, you I hate, mean, right, killed. Right. Like, right. if there was a TV executive in the room, they would be like, we have to sign this This guy. guy's a star. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it's always funny. Uh, but now at the comedy store, like, you know, you go up there, I go up there. You're always following someone funny. That's a good thing. I mean, I like, I know a lot of people are, have a gripe and I, I, I can kind of see it. We're like, oh, it's just all famous people now, blah, blah, blah. But it's, I mean, the good thing about that is, yeah, but now people who go up after them, you have to learn to really get a crowd who's probably spent you know what i mean like oh yeah I and mean, it's that's a there's no better way i think that's one of the best ways to learn is to go up after famous people who just zap all the excitement once they leave the stage everyone's like oh yeah, who well, are you yeah who are you i mean that's man if you if you can get if you can start doing well in that you know whatever scenario that that fuck man that's that's incredible yeah i mean even if like you have a netflix special you've yeah. been on tv a few times yeah yeah conan. and you know conan and netflix i mean those would and you know i mean for me personally i'd want kimmel conan mm -hmm. netflix in terms of state i mean those would be my three dream oh absolutely uh, man yeah but even like with credits like that we're still going on last or yeah, second to last because uh, yeah. the middle lineup is Jeselnik. It's uh, oh, it's, it's murder. Uh, Rogan, yeah. Diaz, Eddie Pepitone, uh, you know, Mary Lynn, Reich Cub, uh, Chloe from 24. Oh, she's the best. Uh, Bill Burr shows up. And, you know. uh, Burr, yeah, Burr shows up. Uh, you know, Ian Edwards. Uh, yep. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. God, you know, I shit head. my pants the other night because... Uh, Ian was on. He's killing. I've never of seen course. him have a bad set. They, uh, yeah, I'm, I was about to say. I was about like. I don't think I've ever seen Ian Edwards do poorly. Like that dude never. always. Yeah, his poorly is my killing. Yeah. <laughs> and like three comics didn't show up, and uh, the cover booth girl looks at me like she was sending me to the gallows. She's like, "Dude, you got to go next." I'm like, oh, "I'm not on for another hour." It's like, "No, you're going on next." And then uh, the talent coordinator walked in just as I got on stage. I'm like, "Fuck, I hope I don't bomb." Right. Uh, cuz there's so much, and I it worked out, but there's so much pressure in that room. Right. Now. Now there is. Back in the dark days, you you've been there like it was, "Oh, I can bomb, no one's going to see it." No one cared. It was, "Yeah, golly, I remember that's because yes, yeah, so we would all yeah, Ireland's and then we would always hit up the store on Sunday and Mondays. Yeah, which I'd was complete. And what was your experience at the store? Because everyone I've had on this couch has had different experiences, mainly with Tommy. Sure. I I mean, I never had like I this is not I don't know. This is going to sound it's going to come across poor. You know, I don't mean it to, but I never gave a shit. Like I always respected it and admired it and always, yeah, of course I would love to be a paid regular, but at the same time, you also, I think some people, they kind of lose their minds about that joint. You know what I mean? Like, I think some people really think that they have, like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's probably the best club on the planet. Right. But like at the same time, there are other venues out there. So you don't need to just have your whole life revolve around it. And I think some people get that way. And I think it, it fucks with their heads. I think, I think the best way to just stay sane and go, look, if they pass me great, if they don't, all right, I still get spots here sometimes, you know, I just try not to give a fuck if, but in a good way, does that make sense? Not in a disrespectful way to the place, but just for your own sanity, just try not to just give a shit like, ah, whatever. Like there's other places you can go up at, right? Oh yeah. Because, but that's you know, how you, like you were smart. You went off. 
and you you got conan and netflix performing other places like yeah. uh because that's probably the opposite. I'm like, I got to get in here. I got to get sure, in here. I, sure. I, I, I have to get in here. Like this place is the end all be all. And, uh, you know, it, it's, the, I think the best club in the country, but you know, there's a lot of other, the improv is a great club. And yeah, uh, you I know. mean, we have a lot of, there's a lot, thankfully there's a lot of different places. I mean, obviously you definitely, of course, I would love to be, you know, uh, to get past there and get the name on the wall and be a paid. That'd be amazing. It'd be a dream come true. But at the same time, if it never happens, I'm okay with that. Right. Like, I'm like, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like if it never happens, that's fine too. And I think, uh, I think it's cause I remember back in those, those Tommy days, man, like it was. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, you're from Texas. You're probably racist. You'll get passed. Trust me. So. It was, it was just, I, and yeah, sometimes it, it felt like, you know, like, yeah, that we, that, it was just, it was weird back then. I mean, it was just an odd, odd, odd. I mean, it was just like, I try and tell people like, it was such a dark place. It literally was the barn yeah. Star Wars. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you that, during that era, and I don't know if this is on Tommy or whatever. I don't think it was Tommy's, but wow. it, seemed like, it seemed like that. Did, did that seem to you like that every night we were there, you just felt like if you stayed five minutes longer, a fight was going to break out something weird. You know what I mean? It just, that vibe thankfully is gone now. It feels like, yeah, it seemed like back then there's always just like, it just seemed like there was always somebody threw a glass at someone else backstage, some weird, there was always weird shit happening that had nothing to do with the show. Well, you know, I think it, uh, well, now they have like literally, uh, I think every night, three security guards yeah. with the Secret Service headsets. <laughs> right, and, right. and if there's any problems, it's, you know, shock and awe. Like these three guys are on it and they're very cool. Like they're yeah, very. Yeah. So you didn't have that back then. I mean, back then, the, the security were the door guys. Yep. Who were all, you know, you know, I don't know if you've ever looked at a comedy lineup, but uh, it looks more like an Amber Alert lineup than, you know, a, a bodybuilding contest. So like they would be like, your point is these guys aren't intimidating anybody from yeah. not fighting. They're I not going to stop anyone from throwing a punch. They're outside gonna... of Rusty Dooley, who right. was like Mr. Jet. He made me look fat. Dude, I, I worked with Rusty Dooley in El Paso and it was just hilarious at the gym. I was like, holy, you know, I, I just saw like, Hey, just like a regular dude. Yeah. And then you see him working like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like this is, this is like extra level how ripped this dude is. Oh like, my, I crazy. mean like I'm semi ripped, you know, and Rusty's probably around my age, maybe a little younger. Uh, he's like steroid ripped, but it's not, he doesn't do it's steroids. All natural. Yeah. Um, it's, it, yeah. So, but he was kind of small in stature, so he wasn't scaring anyone. Dave Taylor probably scared a few people because he's so tall, you know, six six, yeah. and like intimidating. And Dave Taylor has that like, uh, you know, he can also. And I love David if you're if you're listening. But he though, might be dude. David. I love you, but you have that. He has that just air of like serial killer about him you know what i mean he just kind of emotionless you know what i mean like he just he's very funny but he's very just kind of like you just you know he just i wouldn't fuck with him ever is that kind of vibe you get watching him you know like i would be very yeah like if he came and told me to shut up i'd be okay sorry sir well we would do he was almost the genesis of my roast battle character because you know late nights and this is right before the club was turning around he'd go up there and dave can be semi-aggressive toward a crowd at oh, but times. it's great. It's so great. And he would like sometimes just not be into the, you know, yeah. it was hard to do stand up back then when no one's listening. They're dead, you yeah. know. 
and uh, he would bring me on and basically as Rick Rude and, and play like the Gene <laughs> Okerlund. And he was so funny because Dave's kind of he's a great guy, but he's, he can't play condescending very well. Oh, he's amazing at it. Yeah. And uh, so the audience loved it. And, you know, then the uh, comics in the back would start throwing out racial zingers. And I'm like, I'm good on this, but we can <laughs> we can cut this shit. So where so you grew up in Dallas? Yeah, Dallas, Texas, man. And that's where you honed your chops, at like hyenas and yeah. They I, before that, I was at this club called. It sounds like a, I know it's very cheesy. It sounds like a gay bar. It's called the Backdoor. Still there. It's a Backdoor Comedy Club. Is where it, it still around as a showcase room, and that's where I started. And like, and then I kind of got in at you know hyenas and the improv back there, and then and then that was it. And then uh, came out here for a little bit, then was in New York for a little bit, and then came back. And like, I'm fascinated by the TV process. Okay. What was your first TV gig? It was um, that on remember CTV, the Latino. Yes. It was a the Latino Laugh Festival TV show. It was the it was the spinoff of where that show K Locos. It was like the it was like the it's like a rebranding of it, and it was on. It was called the Latino Laugh Festival TV show. And I did like you know a couple of minutes on that, and that was my first. TV. Actually, my first TV thing. No, I'm sorry. It was before that. It was on the Travel Channel. This was when I was still working at a Barnes and Noble in Dallas. I was a beginner, and this guy uh, who booked rooms in Dallas found out that they were the Travel Channel was doing a documentary called American Journeys on people who made a living traveling, and they wanted to do one episode about a comedian. And so I sent in a tape, and I, w I remember there's a payphone near the break room at the time, and I would go use a payphone and call them on every break every week, and they're like, "Well, you made the next cut." You made the next cut and finally like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do you. And so they flew down, they sent a crew and they filmed me driving up with a buddy of mine uh, from high school. My friend Ben from high school, we drove up from uh, Dallas to, I was doing it. I got a gig in Davenport, Iowa. And they just did like a quick, like it was like a half hour. They didn't show any of my standup. It was just more about like right. this young kid who's just starting to chase his dream and, you know, travel and all that. And then, um, so there's that one, then it was a Latino laugh vessel TV show. And then a, uh, after that, you know, Conan. How do you get Conan though? Like, I'm, you know, like, do they see you at a club or do you submit? I, it was one of those things. I guess I, here's the thing. Like, I mean, and this sound not to sound cheesy, but I think comics always need to put their best foot forward when they're performing. Hundred percent. Because, because you, even if it's a shitty venue, if you're in L.A. or New York, right? try to give a fuck, right? No matter what the, you know, because I, I contacted, I got the email of the guy, JP, who books Conan and I hit him up and he'd already seen me. He goes, oh yeah, I've seen you a couple times around town. So it was like, oh shit, these guys are always out there. You know what I mean? And they're always, the talent, they're always looking. So it's like, you always kind of should always give a shit. And then, so I just sent him a tape and then it, uh, you know, it, it kind of like, we'd kind of send notes back and forth. I was like, all right. And then, um, I got a manager who knew him pretty well. And then, so that kind of helped Absolutely. speed the process along, you know, and then, uh, and then I did that and that was, uh, that was pretty fun. How nervous, like I asked Eddie about his experience with Ferguson, Yeah. uh, like, because uh, I watched Ian Bag once. It was either Kilborn or uh, Ferguson, I yeah. forget. And I was petrified of how they nitpicked his set. Like up until he walked out, they had like a list of words. Say, hey, you got to replace this word and that word. And like Ian's a pro, so I'm sure it wasn't that hard for him. But yeah. like, I'm like, wow. That scared me off of wanting to do TV. Like, it's, 
Um, well, actually, before that, I also did Last Comic Standing. If I did season seven, the one that Felipe won, I was on that year. Semi, we made, made it to the semifinals. So that was. Did that help you or hurt you? Helped. I mean, yeah. not hurt you, but like, yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, my only problem with that show was I think it gave a lot of bad comics the idea: oh, all you need to get on TV yes. is one or two minutes. Sure. That yeah. It, where it helped was clubs that had been middling me saw that and i got they started to headline me like that was you know clubs i because i didn't have any reps back then right i was just you know and clubs who had been middling me they started closing me out after that that was really cool but you just like you like obviously could headline you know just i think a lot of people saw you or felipe or ian or eliza or sure dad fan or or whoever the great ralphie may rest in peace uh Oh yeah, they're on TV for just a minute or two. I got that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and then yeah, it's like that was that definitely is a detraction to it for sure. But uh, it was, um, but yeah, the Conan thing. It was doing last comic help because I was with my best friend Mike DiStefano, who passed away. So we were yeah. on it together, and so we kind of helped calm each other's nerves backstage. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of a we were just kind of you know, and that kind of helped. And then with Conan. Um, I didn't, I, so I was at one night, I was at Comedy Magic, and Shanling was there uh, was years ago, and one of the comics was going to do a Tonight Show, I think, for the first time, and he was asking Shanling for advice, and Gary Shanling just, and I kind of just, I was not in the conversation, right. but I was in the green room, and I thought, you know what, this is probably a good time to kind of snoop, you know what I mean, and just kind of pay attention, and even though he's not addressing me, and Shanling said, you ignore the cameras. I know it's easier said than done, but you're, you are just doing a gig in front of the 200 people there. And that's it. You just address them, forget the cameras. That's, and that he, I thought about that when I was doing Conan and, and what helped was thinking about that. And then my first CD was called take that real dad. And Conan, when he announced me, he sold the joke of it. Like he'd set it in the right cadence and stuff, and it already got a laugh. So it kind of helped that it was like a mini icebreaker. And I was standing behind the curtain going, and I heard the audience, I'm like, okay, good. You know, like that, okay, shit. There's, there, they, it's almost like they're already warmed up, if you right. will, right? And then so, and then you just kind of stand behind the curtains and you realize, you know what? This is just another gig. Like I know this is the biggest gig I've ever done, but it's just another, you know, at this, at the end of the day, I'm doing what I've always done, which is I go up there and I, you know, and it, it helped thinking about just ignore the cameras and just focus on the audience. And that's it. And that's why I, that's, I hope I did it. You know, like, but yeah, that's just kind of what went through my head was just focus on the crowd. Don't worry about the fucking cameras. And, you know, you know, this set, you've been doing it your whole life, life all, you know what I mean? Like, cause usually your first late night set is like a, you know, your five best minutes from right. however long your career's been up until then, you know? So it was just kind of like, all right, I know these jokes, I can do this. And yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Now, is your set on cue cards? Not cue cards, but they, like- they gave me the option. Um, I didn't. Uh, I think I just. I think I just went without it because I thought that if they did that, I don't remember. Maybe I had them just put like bullet points or right. something. But I remember thinking if I had everything on cue cards, I might just like <laughs> just turn and read. That would be me. Nervous, you know, just like sit there and just read them. You know, like I so I kind of think I just if they had them, I avoided them. I just was like, I'm not gonna. I just you know, kind of look past everybody up to the to the audience. That's right. Kind of the, yeah. 
And how, uh, in terms of the end of the set, because I don't think people realize how tight TV is. Oh, like, yeah. It's four and a half minutes? Four and a half, yeah. And do they have, like, do you get a, like, a wrap yeah, it up? Yeah, a little light. Yeah, they give you a little it's like thing. 30 uh, seconds? Yeah, and then you're like, okay. And luckily, since I've been practicing that set, it the wrap it up part came right where I was expecting it to. You know what I mean? It's right, like, right. oh, okay, good. And then, yeah, it was just, you know, dismount. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And now take us on the journey of your Netflix special. All right, so that was all 100% uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy. So I was, uh, um, I got to meet him. He had liked some of my, my, my jokes. And um, apparently, like, uh, Alfred and uh, Cristela Alonso, Alfred Robosco had both kind of, kind of talked to him about me. And Alfred had showed him some of my YouTube clips and stuff. And and Gabe had liked it. And so... Uh, so he, we, I bumped into him at Comedy and Magic, and he was like, "Hey, you know, if you ever get a chance, come on the road, you know." So I would go open for him with that crew every now and right. again, which is a lot of fun. It was, you know, and then, um, and then he just pulled me aside and said, "Hey, man, I want to produce some specials. Do you have an hour?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, uh, "Well, could you have it ready? I believe this is like in, you know, let's say it was May. You know, I, I think it was maybe in April. Because could you have it ready by November?" I'm like, "Absolutely." And then he hit me up a couple of days later. He goes, "Hey, could you actually do it in a month?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." So um, he had it all planned out. He 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 paid for everything. He produced it. Him and uh, and uh, we went up to Levity Live in um, Oxnard. Ox no, no, in uh, the, the the before Oxnard, it was up in West Nyack, uh, above Man, like uh, right above New York City. Oh, wow. state, yeah, and. It was it was very it was crazy because he was doing two specials that night myself and another comic named Gina Brion from New York was really funny and he was producing both of them that night and she had the early show I had the late show so it was one chance like there was no it wasn't like hey we're gonna tape you for a weekend and we'll edit the it was one fucking show see I would prefer that I loved it because I was like because it makes you do your best you know what I mean because you don't want to have oh well so if I fuck this up right there was I, you can't fuck it up like it was you know they're all there I was like shit so and and what was really cool is what Gabe did was he brought in he just blasted it out on twitter like hey i'm gonna be at you know upstate new york with some of my buddies this weekend fucking sold out in like 20 minutes and it was all just a real audience it was just no extra you know what i mean it was right. just a, fans of his and he he comes out he hypes everybody up he introduces me and then boom i went i did like about an hour and a half and then and then i think the cut was like an hour and 20 so that was nice and now how do you map out and i i mean i'm impressed that you map out a five minute set <laughs> right no i mean i'm i really am like you know because like it's even i i would almost imagine it would be tougher to map out the five minutes because oh yeah you know if you uh lose them at any oh, second fuck. you don't have the time to get them back mm -hmm. like uh but is it what is tougher mapping out five minutes or an hour and 20 i think an uh, five minutes is tougher i think because it's just because that does like you know because you know again if you're a new comic obviously it's different right like mapping out five minutes is way easier in an hour seems like the hardest thing on earth but you know you and i we've been doing this for so long that like we're used to doing longer sets right and then so when you have not to really <laughs> when you have to when you have to condense everything down to five minutes you're like oh shit what do i pick like but the hour that was i mean it just it just been a lot of jokes that i'd been working on and then 
um, some stuff that was on my first CD that Gabe really liked a lot. And he'd ask, Hey, do you mind doing those jokes? And I was like, dude, you're footing the bill for this. I'll yeah. Fuck yeah. So yes, I'm asking Gabe. You got it, buddy. Yeah. So I, you know, so, uh, there's about maybe 15 minutes of jokes that I'd already done on my first CD that Gabe just was, he just wanted to hear him. He's like, Hey, can you do them? Like, yeah, sure. And then, so I just found a way to kind of tie it in and, you know, a couple, a couple times or just some, you know, like, all right, we're just going to go this way. And then, uh, but I try to kind of have it a, a little bit of a cohesive, you know, the sets kind of, I mean, the jokes kind of go into each other, if you will, you know? And but. then, so you, you do that and then the Netflix, uh, special airs. Yeah. Just, uh, it's not even a year old. It was last, like the end of the summer last year. But like, do you get, cause I think comics have this false expectation, whether it's a Conan spot, right? Netflix spot, uh, you know, or, or really any TV appearance sure. that the next day you're going to be rich and famous. No. And, uh, I mean, what's like Netflix airs the next yeah. day? Do you get calls or that week? Yes. Uh, here's what here's the major difference. Did you just notice like um, like, uh, you know, my Twitter went from like I had, you know, like maybe fifteen hundred followers. Now I have like close to four thousand. Right. It just and it right. was all pretty quick. It was all like. Just that initial like, oh, listen, and your Facebook fan page, you see more engagement. And and now it's I mean, I still think it's uh, it's still a little bit of a slow burn, you know, because Netflix, this is something that they acquired that Gabe produced. So they don't put anything behind it. Right. Like there was no billboards. There was no commercials or ads or anything. It just, you know, if you fall, if you watch comedy on Netflix, which thankfully a lot of people do, it'll come up on your little cue thing. You right. know? Um, and that's great. But yeah, it's just like kind of a slow burn of like now that when I go do shows, there's at least a couple of tables who have seen it. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's kind of a cool, you know, like that's, oh, wow. Like you've kind of, it's a slow burn, but you kind of start to see it, you know, happen where that, that kind of, you know, at least for me, I mean, obviously there's some dude too, you know, I've done a couple, I have a couple of Netflix produced specials under their belts and you know, they just, you know, they have tons of tons of fans, but like, if you go the other way, it's still like, it's not going to be an instant life changing thing, you know? Right. Right. I, but mean, I mean, yeah, it's uh, it definitely helps. Like it's, Oh yeah. It couldn't know, hurt. Yeah. Now you just like, it, it kind of like, like if I'm cold calling a club, I've never worked before. And I was, well, I haven't, like, oh, well, okay. You know, like they, they, you know, they'll look, okay, we'll get you in, you know, that kind of shit, you know, like that definitely, that definitely helps. Yeah. It's, All right. Well, this is the half, not the halfway point, no, but whatever, man. this is where we give out the teaser. I ask you a question. Okay. And I give you the signal to hold on while I shut off Facebook nice. Live. Because if you want to hear the answer, now's the time where you got to go to iTunes. And if you, for you Steve Jobs haters who don't like at the <laughs> Apple uh, machine, just go to SoundCloud, Inappropriate Earl. There leave, you go. Leave a review, if you will. Uh, give your uh, uh, plugs one more time just for the Facebook Live audience. Yes, uh, uh, my one-hour special is called The Gentleman Jerry Rocha. I have a CD called Pickle Dick. I have my own podcast called The Ramble. Where can they uh, find that on? Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, all that. And then... Uh, uh, Twitter's at Rocha Comedy, and then my Instagram is Jerry Rocha Comedy, and then Facebook I think is also Jerry Rocha Comedy. And uh, the question I'm going to ask oh boy. is, you know, like my comedy, my first comedy influence was um, Carol O'Connor as Archie Bunker. Oh yeah, of course. Because I just, even as a kid, I was like, this guy's saying some pretty wacky stuff, and yes. he's likable. Yes. Uh, Don Rickles, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know his comedy album. 
but after you buy Jerry's comedy albums and buy the first one too. What's the first one? Take that real dad. That's, Please that's support him as well. Thank you. It's Thank nine bucks, yeah. nine bucks. And my new ones, it's only eight. So it, there you go. Price just got better. <laughs> eight bucks. And I, that's literally, you could buy two great comedy albums for uh, $17. Yeah. And, uh, but after you buy those, uh, get uh, Don Rickles live at the sands, 68. Oh, so good. It's only like 37 minutes. Yeah. And you could tell they pieced it together because there's some laughter that, well, that didn't really. Right. (laughs) Right. But it was probably the technology. Uh, It's like I was so influenced by that. Now, gentleman Jerry Rocha. Yes, sir. Who were your comedy influences? Don't answer the question yet. And when I give you the thumbs up, answer it. Because now's the time, guys, when you got to go to iTunes and listen to the answer. Who were your influences, Jerry? Okay. Um, man, Eddie Murphy, Weird Al Yankovic, Dana Carvey. Those are probably the big three, you know, and then Monty Python. Yeah. Those, because I remember when I was, uh, um, when I was, uh, sick, one of the first times I got really sick in, in school, um, my, uh, my dad, I was like terrified because I like that for one of the, you know, where you have those gnarly fevers the first time you get sick, how it just scares the fuck out of you. I was like four and uh, my dad went and rented Monty Python and the Holy Grail and we saw that and like, I just was like, oh shit, this is the greatest thing ever. And then um, I would go visit my family in Laredo, Texas, which is down by the border uh, in South Texas. And uh, my grandmother had cable. We didn't have cable growing up, but my grandma did. Um, and so I snuck out when I was a little kid and saw Eddie Murphy's uh, Delirious. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. And then, uh, yeah, Weird Al Yankovic, Dana Carvey. Those were definitely all those definitely huge ones. Um, and then honestly, uh, another one I think would be bad guy, villain, heel pro wrestlers. I yes. Were just the funniest. And I'm sure like, I think I think Michael Hayes, I'm sure he stole this from, you know, like Rodney Dangerfield or Don, Ray, whatever. But uh, I remember watching a promo he was cutting against the Von Erics. And he, I remember he looked at the camera and he goes, Carrie Von Eric is so stupid. It takes him an hour and a half to watch 60 minutes. And like, I just thought that was the funniest. Like I was four and I'm like, I'm supposed to hate this guy because he's the villain. Right. But like, I, I had to give him credit for what I thought was like a, at the time, just fucking brilliant. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I mean, uh, the pro wrestlers don't get, not so much now. Because I think now it's a little uh, just manufactured. Yeah. Let's try and make this guy funny. Uh, Jerry's phone's blowing up right now. It's probably getting calls uh, from I, his I've manager. Several people uh, going, seeing you on Earl's couch. What do you? Josh Nasser said, "Tell Earl to show us his balls," but it's too late now because the feed's gone. Well, Josh Nasser is one of the rare people in comedy that can not only bomb on stage, <laughs> but bomb on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. <laughs> I mean, if Josh Nasser were the comic on the Titanic, I would have rooted for the iceberg to get there quicker. Just a horrible person. Great tan, though, and loves to wear Von Dutch. Amazing tan. Amazing tan. But yeah. I don't think the pro wrestlers, uh, specifically the 80s. Uh, oh, they were the best, man. So fucking funny. Uh, and 
They were basically stand-ups. Yes, they were just insulting the the other uh, the. You know who? You know who I thought was I. And I still okay. Maybe you'll agree with me, disagree, but top ten funniest people of all time. Bobby the Brain Heenan has to be on that list. Bobby the Brain. I mean, he was just. I still think. Okay, you know, of course you have the classic TV show, but for me, the there will only be one odd couple, and that's Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon. That should have been, I would have loved to have seen those two in character be like roommates, you know what I mean? Like that is the best odd couple dynamic ever, I thought, was Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon. That's I thought those two. Bobby, were- you're right. I mean, uh Bobby the Brain Heenan, and it's so tough to see him now. Uh, I know. Or did he die? I think he's still with us. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had cancer of the jaw, yeah. so they had to, like, basically shave, I think, three quarters of his jaw. Uh, yeah. And, and it's so rough to see a guy who basically made a living with his mouth not be able to speak. Not to speak. And he was the fucking best. Oh, my God. Like, I just – because as a kid, you you were always, were like, thrown, like – why is this guy rooting for the bad guy? You know, like I remember thinking like, why is he rooting? But then it was just so funny. The shit that he would say. And you know, Jesse Ventura was great too. You know, like get some singers. Yeah. Jesse Ventura was good, you know, but like, man, Bobby, the brain, I man, golly, I'd, I'd loved watching him. And I just would love the, when he was in the booth, those are the greatest but uh, wrestling episodes to watch like him and Ventura they were way too quick for that wrestling crowd like there's yeah. so many like uh I like Heenan and WCW because he was kind of a little bitter but he was yeah. still very very oh funny. so funny uh like I remember when Hogan turned bad guy at uh bash at the beach was he the one going yes yeah well yes. tony shivani and i think mike today were playing the perfect straight they were man. so shocked and angry like, and- oh my god oh my god and then he was like but whose side is he on like, yeah. was like oh Ralph, well, come on bobby what are you <laughs> like mean? what are you talking about yeah. but it set up the moment and then you know the warrior he hated the ultimate warrior. oh yeah because uh, they had worked together in, in WWF, and so when he came back in WCW, he's kind of throwing us the, they say on RuPaul's Drag Race, he's throwing shade at the Warrior. <laughs> like, there's only one, and I can't believe it's this guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just like, you know, it's pretty funny. And then uh, so many, because uh, WCW for two years was the biggest boy yep. in the land yep and he was there and he made it so funny and uh you know i don't know if he liked hogan because he would always seem to like throw hogan some zingers always uh did you i used to love that uh remember his little column in the wwf magazine oh Bobby, my God. i used to love reading that i just i love it was it. a like, subscriber it was the best like i remember um uh i okay so through gabe i met ddp and scott hall and jake the snake oh. we're atlanta we went to ddp's house it was fucking crazy and i was it was very surreal just being in diamond dallas pages living room just hanging out with him and i was and then scott hall shows up just to hang out and i was telling them stories about me watching you know kamala and all that kind of stuff and oh. and and oh. 
That's my boy. They would. I, I never tell you. Did I tell you that. Did I ever tell you the story about when I, I told actually because through Gabe I, I was on uh, Stone Cold's podcast like a couple of years ago, and I told him the story about this is what made me a lifelong wrestling fan was my dad took me to the sportatorium. I was like four years old. I'll never forget. And Kamala came out and remember, you know, I didn't know this at the time as a four year old, when you just think it's all real, right? Of course. But Kamala was obviously the comic relief in the middle of the card, right? Like he was the guy who would wrestle three guys at once. And he wouldn't like his gimmick was like, he wouldn't know how to pin people. His, his, his manager's valet. Kim had to, like, tell, yeah. Kimchi had to like, Oh no, get out. You know? And, I, I didn't realize he was just comic relief. I thought he was real. And I thought the fact that he's beating three dudes up at once. I remember I got, I started crying and I told my dad, I'm like, can we leave? It was my mom's boyfriend because I've never met my actual dad, but this guy was like my mom's boyfriend. He was like, and he goes, and like, I was so scared. I started, cause I thought if this guy gets loose, we're all dead. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, he, he's taking on three dudes at once. Like nobody can stop him. You know, like I look the security guards just as out of shape guy. I'm like, man, we're dead. Like this guy's gonna so I start I beg I'm like, hey, is there any t-? I started crying? And that's when my dad could have been like, look, this is all bullshit. Don't come on, I paid money. But he just looked at me and goes, All right, well, yeah, he's a scary dude. Let's get out of here. And I was like, whoa, that made me buy into it. You know what I mean? For so much longer than I probably would have. Like, and I just I love dude, I love that shit. But I was I would tell them stories about like uh, you know, when I saw Hulk Hogan and they would it was cool seeing those guys kind of mark out over the stories I was telling about the shit that I grew up watching. Like when I saw Hulk Hogan fight the big boss man at reunion arena in Dallas. And I'm telling you something, this was the biggest ovation. I've been to a Dallas Cowboy game in Dallas where the Cowboys won with a last second touchdown. Right. And the eruption was nothing compared to this match. I remember I was there with my cousin, my dad took myself and my cousin, Eric, and we're watching and like Hulk Hogan was losing, of course, the big boss man. And then Slick distracts the ref. Boss man handcuffs Hogan, fucking does his finishing move, and then starts beating him with a nightstick on top of it. And I remember I held my cousin Eric. We were both like seven. And I just held him and was like, I can't believe it. We're, we're going to watch him lose. You know, like we were, we were just devastated. And like, oh, man, like Hulk Hogan's going to lose. This sucks. And then sure enough, like boss man pins him. And he get like the, the, the ref's hand is about to hit the mat for three. And then, of course, Hogan kicks out and he does the Hulkamania shit. And I'll never forget. He just stands in the middle of the ring and he just starts shaking. And then, boom, he just snapped the handcuffs in two. And dude, that eruption was I've never heard any place just go crazier than that arena when he did that. It was just fucking amazing. And it was good. What was interesting was like, uh, I think it was a, a Hall and Page or like, you know, that they were, they loved it. And like, that's all Vince. They're like, that's why Vince won. He goes, I guarantee you Vince had Terry in the back the night before testing out 45 different breakable handcuffs to see which ones broke the right way. You know, because that because because that's how Vince beat Bischoff was his attention to detail. So when Bischoff, when they were on top, is like, because you notice, you watch any nitros, when we would set off pyrotechnics, it would just be this cloud of smoke that would stay hanging over the arena. Vince would test a million different ones to see which ones had the smoke that would just evaporate and get out. Like he goes, it's just interesting. He's got all these little tiny details and he goes, that's how they beat him. That's how, that's how Vince won was he just, other guys just kind of would just think it was all about just the, just inside the match. And that was inside the ring. And that was it where Vince was like, no, no, it's everything. Like every little thing has to look a certain way, has to go a certain way. It was really, it was really interesting. 
embarrassing to hear. Like it was just all that McMahon's just pure attention to detail on every little fucking thing. Because they said he probably sat there and made Hogan break 40 different handcuffs to see which ones he thought snapped away the best or whatever, which is so crazy. I mean, I'm uh, partial to Eric Bischoff because he came on the podcast. <laughs> hey, did he really? Nice. I just tweeted, you know, I get turned down a lot. Who's yeah. the biggest gun? You who's the biggest like pie in the sky? If you if there's one Gene or, Simmons. Oh uh, man. and he probably would come on. I he strikes me as someone hey, this guy's got a popular podcast. He's got numbers. I'll probably go sell a few uh right. Gene Vaults. Uh Hulk Hogan would be great. Oh man. Uh yeah. just because he's so universal. Uh uh, but I had I was killing with Bischoff. Like I said, I rarely kill, but I'm such Dude. a fan. I'm telling him the time I met Kamala, uh, yeah, which was a crazy story because my dad was friends with this wrestler from the 50s, the Count Billy Varga, who uh, was like the heel in his day. Yeah, he ended up becoming a ref, and oh, wow. uh, I think uh, he was refing a WWF thing at the. Um, uh, the olympic auditorium oh wow okay yeah yeah which is now a korean church are uh, you from la you i'm from uh, yeah west la oh nice nice so um the count says hey bring your kid down here i was like 12 11 at the time and uh i go backstage and my dad left me alone at a wwf event backstage <laughs> i mean jesus christ pat patterson was running around wow and i see kamala oh. dressing in regular clothes and he, he's a well, he was a big guy. Yeah. He was 6'6". Six, six. Now he's about 5'3". Right. He lost, he lost both his legs. Both his legs. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah. he motions for me to come over. And, oh, dude. And uh, Kimchi was next to him getting ready. And I thought, oh, Kimchi's, I assumed he was Asian, but I think it was the Brooklyn Brawler. It was, oh, was uh, that who was Kimchi? Really? Yeah, oh, one, that, he, there yeah. was like two or three Kimchi's. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, Kamala reached his hand out and said, hey, I'm Jim. And I'm like, wow. What do you, I literally said to him, you speak English? <laughs> it was like that kid in Fast Times saying right. to Forrest Whitaker, I thought they just flew you in for games. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Jim. I'm from, uh, uh, I think he said Tupelo, Mississippi. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, he owns like a barbecue restaurant. No, that's Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah Butcher, that's right, that's right. It's Ralphie the, uh, Ralphie the May. Ralphie May took me to uh, Abdullah's Ribs. Abdullah's rib. And I think tires. I think they sell tires. <laughs> yeah, too. That's right. Uh, and I was like, uh, I literally I said, this. What are you doing speaking English? <laughs> and you're not from Tupelo, Mississippi. <laughs> I thought you were from Uganda. Yeah, the Ugandan giant. Like, what is Because <laughs> there was no internet back then. So, like, now if, if you say uh, I'm Jerry Rocha from Edmonton, it's like, No, you're. You're from Dallas. Dallas. You're not from Edmonton. Or right? Earl, you're from, I made up some wild story yeah. that I was uh, a, a runaway from, uh, I don't know, where, uh, Poughkeepsie. <laughs> it's like, no, you were raised in West LA. It's your Wikipedia page. Uh, but back then it was like, you know, I, I really, this is very Part, similar. Parts Unknown was a real thing to yeah. us. Parts Unknown was like, whoa, the ultimate warrior must have come from outer space or something. Yeah. I mean, I looked for Parts Unknown on the globe yeah. for fucking seven hours one day. <laughs> So like I literally one day dialed eight six seven five three zero nine to get Jenny. Yeah, in every area code, I use three one zero seven one four eight one eight nine zero nine. So perfect. And I found one in like Frisco. I think it was like a four zero four. She's like, "Yeah, I know, I'm Jenny, but I'm not the girl in the fucking video." Oh, that's hilarious. And she hung up on me. Wow. 
know, <laughs> dude, that's amazing. But uh, you know, nowadays it's like, oh well. There was a Jenny though. That's yeah, there was a Jenny. I think in San Francisco. That's uh, hilarious. She probably died of AIDS, but yeah. uh, that was wild. We time. can only hope. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we can only hope. Uh, so yeah, I mean, wrestling now is. I can't. Do, do you? I tried. I've tried it. The last, you know, I, I'm a Sting guy, and they've really fucked him over. I really didn't like the way they brought him back. That was weird. It's horrible. I, look, I, I'm going to sound like such a snob, dude, but uh, to me, it just, it, when CM Punk walked, that kind of did it for me a little bit. You know, like I'll still casually tune in, but uh, like he was kind of the last one, you know. Well, I mean, he, you know, like, I mean, I'll still watch it. I'll still watch the, you know, Mania and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it's still, I mean, there's still some, there's some good people, but yeah, like, it, it isn't it's for whatever reason it doesn't have the same like i just miss like just the pure good guy and the pure bad guy yeah that was I mean, it i kind of maybe the attitude era was incredible but like that i don't think that could ever be replicated right so i think yeah uh, like, i mean it, it's uh it's i mean like, you need competition like yeah I mean, that's what yeah gave the wwe uh, the the genesis for the Attitude Era. So we got to come up with something to compete with WCW. Yeah, because WCW was kill- WCW was killing. Him. Bischoff was a maniac. Bischoff I mean, was uh, his his. Uh, what, what brought him back was Stone Cold. You know, yeah. like that's we start we started watching uh, Raw more than Nitro just because of Stone Cold. Uh, like, full disclosure, was- uh, Stone Cold has blocked me on Twitter. No way! What happened? You know, maybe you can read. Maybe we can extend an olive branch to him. I never had a problem with the guy, but. Right. Uh, I was brought in to be the co-host of Piper's podcast. They had a beef uh, uh, I, yeah. uh, over the Will Sasso impression, which I thought was uh, harmless myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it didn't touch on any personal situations. Sure. But, you know, I think someone said, hey, this guy's Piper's co-host. Fuck him or, you know, whatever right. happened. And, uh you know, I mean, I think I maybe made a zinger about, you know, come on, Stone Cold. Your gimmick was, you know, smashing beer cans and drinking them with the crowd. <laughs> but it's like, dude, you're you're pro wrestler. Don't take it that seriously. Yeah. I'm yeah. an idiot. Right. In full disclosure. I'm a moron. Right. You should never should never let a comedian bother you that yeah, much. Nobody. So, uh, this is for anyone listening. Don't ever let a comedian bother you that much. But it bummed like, me out because I'm a Stone Cold fan. Yeah, of course. Or I was. Man. You know what? But what's funny what I love about that though is it seemed like even up until the end, Piper did not give a fuck who he pissed off, who he I just love the fact that he still got annoyed with other wrestlers, even when he was, you know, retired and just you know, I still like that he still got like like, he still had beefs with other guys. I know. Like, he lived it. Like, yeah. he was a fucking real deal. And, like, they brought me in, I think, toward the end, uh, not of his life, but of the podcast, yeah. was, I guess, is one and the same, unfortunately, uh, to, like, I think they wanted me to be the bad guy because they right. knew I didn't care. Like, right. I had no, uh, I had an interview once with the WWE to be a writer. It did not go well. Really? Uh, How does what is that like? Well, you know, uh, and, and Shane McMahon would probably never remember this, but I met him at Sushi Roku, which is a, a restaurant on Third yeah. Street. Yeah, uh, yeah, very high end sushi place, and we were just happened to be sitting at the same table and uh, or uh, the table next to each other. Sure. And uh, the, my friend I was with knew him. Uh, I think he kind of went on a date with Stephanie McMahon at some point. Ah, uh, okay, uh, okay, yeah. Small talk and. Uh, then uh, they flew me out to uh, Stanford, Connecticut. And this is right around when uh, 
Kane and uh, Triple H were uh, feuding. Yeah, okay. And uh, so, they, you know, they're like, well, Earl, you know, give us some ideas. And, you know, I felt like saying, well, pay me first. Like, you know. Because then they might just use them anyway. Yeah. Be like, I mean, yeah how many we're... times have you been asked for an idea yeah. uh, by another comic or maybe a producer and then you see it on TV? Like, Wait a minute. Uh, the fuck? Yeah, you know, of course. Uh, I mean, I love the HBO uh, episode of Crashing about uh, the two roast battlers uh, dating, battling. <laughs> I wonder where they got that I wonder from. where they got that idea from. <laughs> Gee, I wonder where they had that idea from. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm from the 80s. You know, it's, you know, good guy versus bad guy. The heel's cheating and the manager's cheating with them. And, uh, you know, 95% of the match, it's basically a squash match. And then, you know, somehow, uh, for lack of a better word, the good guy hulks up uh, and and wins. Those are the best, uh, man. Those are the best. The whole table just looks at me and goes. Yeah, we're not really about that anymore. I'm like, well, I, you know, what, what's like the main storyline right now? And uh, it was Kane and uh, Triple H, and it was kind of right. like that Rocky II uh, story where Apollo Creed's trying to draw Rocky out of retirement. Right, right. Because Kane didn't want to fight him. And uh, I guess in somehow in the storyline, uh, Kane had uh, killed a, a girl <laughs> drunk driving. <laughs> And the end of the Raw before the last pay-per-view <laughs> is Triple H going to the cemetery, unburying the body. Oh, God. And you just see a silhouette of Triple H doing some kind of sexual, uh, like, thrust. <laughs> and they hit stop on the tape, and everyone in the room looks at me, and uh, I'm like, uh, you know... <laughs> I don't think I'm the right guy for this gig because uh, I couldn't come up with that storyline in a million years. And then right after that, or maybe it was right before that, they had the May Young fucking Mark Henry. Oh yeah, and then yeah. Uh, the the closer on that storyline was May Young is pregnant. <laughs> Here's an 80 year old woman impregnated by the biggest black dude on the planet, <laughs> and May Young's got her legs in the stirrups, and the doctor comes in and goes, "Oh my god!" and puts his hand down her pussy, right? Thinking you're thinking the reveal is going to be the baby, right? It's maybe going to be black or something. Sure, it's a hand, <laughs> like an actual <laughs> hand. And it was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I don't need to be a part. That's funny, man. But I miss wow. that kind of like, you don't get that now. Like, no, you know, and, and you know, there's no competition. I don't think TNA is really competition. Oh, God, no, they're folding. Aren't they in trouble anyway? Like I mean, that TNA is like Sal's comedy hole. It's <laughs> like, how is this place still in business? The Vienna Cafe. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> I didn't know Sal's was still even there. Yeah, I think there. Dante is having uh, the funniest person in the valley held in Los Angeles, though. It's, oh, okay. Um, well, he's neutral ground, man. Seven, neutral seven ground. times you get a, a year. neutral territory. You got to have it in neutral territory. That's why it uh, makes sense. But I don't know. I, I think anything needs competition. You know. You yeah. Notice. Uh, 
you know, with the, like in in our world, the, the comedy starts killing it. So you see, like the Improv, it, it, which is a great, great club, yeah, run by awesome people. But they're stepping it up. They have to, uh, you yeah. know. E even the Laugh Factory's got a digital billboard now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> good for them. <laughs> I love that when Mitzi died, uh, and I, I really didn't know Mitzi very well. Right, might say it all. Uh, you know, I thought the Improv was so amazingly classy, and I thought that was interesting because they weren't us. Wasn't that, wasn't that the biggest rivalry back yeah. then? Like that was like, but uh, you know, it, I yeah. think you know times. You know, sure. time heals all wounds. Hopefully, uh, and they for like two or three days. Rest in peace, Mitzi, the yeah. queen of comedy. Laugh Factory had her up there for like five minutes. Oh wow! Know, on their digital billboard, and then you got right to the uh, uh, you know comedy lineups that look like a, a Bon Jovi reunion. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not stand-up Batman, so let's just clear that. That was funny. Everybody thought that was you. When I, I when I, that thing still first, do. yeah, when that thing first started, everybody thought that was you. Like that's yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, what can, I mean, I I think I know who it is. Uh, it's I think it's a duo. Uh, I'm not a yeah. fan of one of the people, but you know, ah, hey. they have some funny things. Uh, you, you know, they're always nice to me, I guess. So, uh, but sure. Uh, you know, they, I think my favorite uh, tweet of theirs was they had uh, this lineup. I think it was at the Laugh Factory. It was like literally, uh, I might be getting the comics wrong, but it was like Seinfeld, Judd Apatow, Rob Schneider, Whitney Cummings, Chris D'Elia, and then a picture of uh, the host, who let's right. just say was not a known comic. Right. And their tweet was, gee, I wonder who the producer of the show is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I've always, uh, I, I, I don't, yeah, I try to stay away from all that stuff. Like, isn't I that mean, weird? Like, I, I just try to, like, I, I just try not to give a shit. Like, of course, there is, like, morbid curiosity if, like, two comics are fighting or pissing each other. Like, I kind of want to know the story. You know, I'm like, oh, why, why is that? And then, but then I'm just like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, I, mean, I just, I just try not to, I just try to mind my own business, go do my set, leave. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of. But that's why you're on Netflix and Colin. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm serious though. Know, like man. you're, uh, you know, I probably, I, you know, I had a situation with roast battle with uh, one person where I, I probably let it get the best of me. And I, right. I put a little more energy into, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it was a feud, but uh, yeah, whatever you want to call it. And when I should have been going, how do I get on Conan or Netflix? Right. If I would have put right. that same anger and uh, energy into that. I'd probably be on Conan or Netflix instead of, you know, uh, I don't know. What do you have? Like, Earl, you have like the number one podcast in America. Well, that's, uh, that, that's not. Come on. Uh, you have the that, number that, one let's podcast. Let's not get Rogan pissed at me. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to get on that show. but uh, You have the number one podcast wait, on the planet. I have the number one podcast in West Hollywood. In America. Uh, what are you talking about? This um, thing is shooting. Well, I, I, I see. I'm scared, though. The only thing the only thing that worries me about how well it's doing is I don't want to be the guy who plummets it. Like, I don't want to be the guest who makes the numbers just drop, you know? There like, will be a guy. <laughs> when this show starts dropping like a rock. We could be like, like oh, well, it was because he had Rocha. That's what's your episode, dude. Sorry. Like, uh, that's what happened. But uh, yeah, I've never tried. To, I mean, but it's, to me, it's like that stuff is fast. Like, I, I, okay, if you hear about two comics, let's say two comics got into a, like a shoving match or something, like I want to know all the details, but I'm not going to get. Does that make like part of me? Oh, what happened? Why'd they do that? Well, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. But then I just like, okay, like I, I just, uh, yeah, I just don't have any, I don't know. I don't have any, uh, 
I try not to care about like all that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I try to as well, but like in the roast battle world and it was a roast battle related issue, yeah. you know, you're, you're kind of, it's, it's a little more of a combative uh, atmosphere than sure. say stand up is. Uh, How many people take it seriously? How many times have there been, have you ever been at a roast battle where, where not, let's say where you weren't roasting, but you were, you were doing, uh, you know, the, the, the house races, right? right? Like, oh. what was there ever a battle or two where you thought, holy shit, they might actually start oh, swinging after yeah. this. Like these people genuinely don't like each other. Has that ever, uh, there's one, uh, you don't have to name names. I'm, I'm, oh, I, no. I don't want names. I'm just like, just curious if there's ever been moments where they're like, holy shit, these, these two, uh, they're not kidding. They're really going to fucking, there was one, uh, uh, all girl battle. It was in, I'll name her name because I, I don't think she would mind. Jen Sturger. I forget who right. she was battling. Right. I want to say it was Kim Congdon. I might be wrong. And Kim's awesome. She's a killer comic and roaster. Uh, and uh, battle was getting pretty heated. You know, we well, fucked this guy. Well, you fucked this guy. Well, you're a whore. You're this. You're that. And one of uh, I think Kim's friends. And it might not have been Kim, but whoever jen was battling yeah like stormed the stage and like poked whoa up. and nothing there was no blows happening but i think the cops were called Damn. and uh you know there was one battle when uh uh you know i was the house hater and, and two dudes were battling and i was dating uh, the one guy's ex oh and, shit uh and this shows you just how brutal roast battle in the earlier days could be um the the joke that won the guy the battle was well uh you're gonna finish second place tonight to me and i guess you already are to earl wow and everyone knew the like the oh, reference it was a real shit. inside joke Fuck. and uh damn you know the guy looked at me and he, he couldn't really be mad at me because i didn't say the you joke. didn't say it yeah uh, and i think the girl was in the room so it was uh, just like so uh he, he he got pretty pissed but you know uh there's never really been uh uh you know, it's been pretty, uh, I mean, you know what you're signing up for in roast sure, battle. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I know like, let's say you and I battle, uh, I know you're a great writer, great comic. Uh, I know you're going to come up with some creative ways to, right. you know, talk about a relationship of mine in the sure. past or, uh, you well, know. See, the thing is, how do they know these things? Well, you, you know do I mean? research. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't like, I don't like when they start saying, like, man, I'm not even like, I'm not going to like, like, I'm like, I would feel weird going around asking her, but like, Hey, so what about I'm roasting so-and-so next week? What, well, that's yeah, how it works. It, yeah. Right. Like did they, did, did somebody die close to them? Yeah. You know, like that's, you know, well, that's like, what Jesse Joy, did against me i yeah. know jimmy carr had like his his uh Mossad, uh writing team <laughs> hey uh, earl's related to the kennedys hey earl was dating this girl right. hey uh, you know but that's you know i'm a maniac with that stuff i mean right if i'm roasting a girl and i've only lost a woman which is kind of funny that's funny uh, if I'm roasting a woman, I'll find out if they had an abortion 12 years ago. I'll interview <laughs> the doctor. Say, hey, how was it? You go all in, huh? Well, you have to. You're uh, like De Niro in Casino. You yeah. got to find out if the quarterback got dumped the night before the game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you gotta, the, yeah. With the wind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I should put more of this energy into my stand-up. I'd be on Conan or Netflix. Dude, you should because you're funny as fuck. You should. Well, I don't have a tape, which is part of the problem. Yeah. You th uh, like a good clean five minutes yeah sure uh but i guess that's are you in a comedy magic 
Uh, Richard's very nice to me. Uh, yeah, because that's a place to get that's it. A place to take, that's yeah. a place to get that uh, tape. It's right there. So, uh, yeah, I think yeah. Um, I'm ready to do They're that. Great. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll be lucky enough to perform with Gary Cannon. <laughs> hey, man. Hell yeah. Gary Cannon's the best. Uh, Gary. So gay, he comes out of the warehouse. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> gentlemen, Jerry. See, I couldn't roast because I would, I would say a joke and then I would literally go, look, I'm just fucking around. I would feel terrible after every roast joke i would make i would say the joke and i'd look at it go look man i'm just fucking around i'm I, you know don't don't get upset well, like you, i would feel so bad i couldn't do it man well you leave your mind for 10 minutes and yeah like, you yeah. don't need uh you know obviously you're on tv via stand-up so you don't need to you know i think a lot of people uh you know like for me to be honest with you i needed the show like sure. i had to do it because i was like okay i'm at the time, roast battle. I think it's I think the five year anniversary is coming in July. So it's already been five years. Wow. You know, yeah. I was forty four at the time, forty five, yeah. and going fuck. I haven't been on TV yet. Were you of- on the first one? Or did they do the house thing like after like like would, did the first roast battle have the wave? Did it have any of that? Like the first couple? Or well, did that like slowly build over time. Well, the first four months of the show, uh, you know, I can assure you this much: people <laughs> weren't coming for the fucking battles. Right. You think the battles are bad now go back in time where you had like open micer against open mic oh yeah they didn't really you know now you have like uh, you know at the worst they're good roast writers yeah uh, and and sometimes they're great comics and roasters like a sarah tiana and well did wasn't like her battles with ralphie didn't that kind of help yeah, kind of I mean, put it on the map like when her and ralphie would go at it like didn't that, isn't that what kind of well i think that the show that really and it's a show that really never gets talked about because there's so many you know there's yeah. literally been a thousand roast battles you know it's been weekly for five years uh was we went to la jolla and uh you know la jolla is a very white yeah for the most part oh, yeah uh, rich uh, or upper yep. middle class crowd and it was on a monday night at the la jolla comedy store uh, monday nights at that time were dark there really out of you know they weren't yeah. open and it was standing room only and really so that was a good sign like, oh wow and then the crowd loved it i mean yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah there was only two battles that night in jesse egan against the great zoltan oh he's a funny dude oh man, he's the yeah. fucking best uh and then the main event was kyle ray against pete c yeah now pete c's a maniac because he's not a comic he that's gets, right but he's a you know fucking great i don't i've never met him but i know i've seen some of his clips that dude's an amazing roaster though yeah he gives he's zero like, fucks about acceptance in the room right he's like i'm i'm good yep uh and uh, so and then the wave was uh, and, you know the wave's always been around but in the early days they had uh it's been different uh, wave members oh really uh, you know, the initial wave, I think, was Jack Knight, uh, who I think his managers came to the show once and said, dude, you got to quit this show. Wow. Uh, and Keith Soul. And uh, and then I think it really wow. the wave gained traction when Jeremiah came on board and kind of organized it. Right. Into right. bits. Uh, but before the wave kind of hit, it was really me, Moses and Coach T. Wow. Uh, and then. Uh, you know carrying the show those first four months and then jeff ross obviously took it to the next level sure sure i mean the show's on tv because of jeff well uh, i remember you know at at that 
the first Just for Laughs that y'all were at. Like that was the show, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody stopped what they were doing at around eleven thirty and yeah. made their way over to that theater uh, to watch to watch roast. And you were lucky if you got. I got lucky. I got in every night. It was either either I, I remember one night I would either see you or Moses. Hey, come on, you know, like and I was just like uh, oh, help was, me get a seat. It was so nice. Like I mean, I was in there with fucking Aaron Rodgers was there one night. Oh, like, he it hated was, me. Did he really? Well, you know, this is like, and this is when it was called the Jeff Ross Roastmasters yep. Invitational because they couldn't it, say roast battle. I mean, and, yeah. I'm still uh, not sure what was going on right. in that, you know, vein of the show. Uh, you know, you'd have to ask Moses, Jeff, or Rel. Right. You know, that story. I, you know, I saw Rel the other day at uh, like a Erwan, which is a, like a Whole Foods. Sure. Uh, you know, he kind of shot me a dirty look. I'm like, oh, fuck. You know. Oh, man. I'm definitely Team Moses and Jeff because, you know, I just worked with them longer. Right. But, uh, you know, me and Whitney Rice, the great Whitney Rice, uh, we were the house haters. Yeah. There. And uh, I mean, I did so bad the first night, I almost left. Really? I, I literally, I you know, I was just scared. It's like my first sure. time at JFL. And, you know, I'd always fantasized of being there as a stand-up. Uh, but I was like, you know, like you said, it was the hottest show there. Dude, uh, Michael was, Fassbender was there that night. The, one of the nights, yeah, Olivia I mean, Munn, uh, Aaron Chappelle Rogers. showed yep. up. Uh, so uh, I did so bad the first night. Whitney carried me. Uh, I was literally looking up flights to go home the next day. Wow. And then I think Whitney called Jason Reitman, who was up there, because he was doing a live table That's read. That's right. Yeah. Of the Big Lebowski. And uh, Jason Reitman, he's like, dude, I've seen you at the belly room. He it was like a dad giving his son a coach. Oh, that's awesome! He's like, I've seen you in the belly room. I know you're nervous to be around this kind of industry. Just do you, uh, and you'll be fine. And like you know, like Jesus, this is Ivan Reitman's kid, right? Yeah, and so that, that second show, I was just a complete maniac. Just it's great talking about all the filthy Jews in the room. That is and, great. You know, Montreal's great. There's no blacks here. You know, I went all in. It was. I remember that. It was great. What, so what did Aaron Rodgers? What, what'd you piss? How'd you piss? Well, him off? you know. Well, the funny part is, I had an ICM agent come up to me after the second night and go, "Hey, call me. I'm one of those Jew agents." Oh, that's uh, funny. And nothing happened, but uh, so Aaron Rodgers is there, and Moses was like, "Hey, dude, why don't you give him a little shit?" And uh, you know, so I took a shot, and uh, yeah, he got mad. Oh, I missed horribly. Uh, I'm like, "Hey, uh, Moses, great to see you, man." You. And Aaron Rodgers was right in front of the head. I remember that. Table. Yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah, him I and could, Olivia Munn were like oh, right fucking right there with you guys. I could touch his head. Yeah. Know, and uh, like, I, you know, I really didn't have anything on him because I didn't know he was going to be there. So right. I just kind of like, hey, Moses, you look great tonight. Yeah. You look like one of those receivers Aaron Rodgers always overthrows. <laughs> and it just got nothing. And right. then Aaron Rodgers just turns around, looks at me, and you could tell he was like, motherfucker, I make $12 million a year. Who are you? Right. And I tried to apologize to him after, but he left. Uh, so I pissed him off that night. How did you piss him off? Because he went walking past before the show started, and a couple of people were like, "Oh my god, nice to meet you!" And so I, I just acted like I was part of that group, and I shook his hand and I said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, Des fucking caught that ball, and you fucking know he caught it because I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, man." And he like just walked away. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you took a shot. I had to say something. Come on, I had to say. You something. have to. People yeah. don't understand. Like, I mean, we're celebrities in our. <laughs> weird way to, right. to audience members 
But like, you know, I do that every time I see a celebrity. You know, I saw Cindy Crawford once at the ballet and I just walked up to her and go, loved you in Fair Game, <laughs> which may be the worst movie in the history of uh, the Academy. Right. You know, saw the bad guy from Cobra at the supermarket. Oh, no way. I would have lost my mind, uh, dude. Brian Thompson. fucking mind. He's another guy who's not returned my uh, oh. request. Yeah. Dude, Cobra had the weirdest ending. Because what I never understood about Cobra was, you know, Stallone just kills like 500 people in that movie. And then when he gets to the bad guy, he's like, you can't do it, can you, pig? And like, he's all nervous, like... You just shot 80 other people five minutes ago. You can't just kill this. You can't just shoot this guy. Like, why is that? Like, I, I remember thinking, like, why do we need this big drawn out? Like, I'm going to shake your faith. And like, just fucking shoot him. You yeah. just shot everybody else for an hour and a half. Even you know? the law. Yeah. <laughs> protects me. You won't do it. Will you? Pig. <laughs> he, but he delivered that great. That was such a great fucking. Um, it, was that the you're the disease and I'm the cure? Was that yeah. that line? Was that that scene? I don't remember. But yeah, that. Was, this is where the law stops. Yeah. <laughs> and I start. <laughs> sucker. I don't know why I had to suck. Sucker. But what's great about Cobra is the product placement in there is just outstanding. Like, oh yeah. And that supermarket scene. Stallone's hiding behind a Coors Light and a Pepsi machine. Like, it was so obvious. Like, yeah. And he t picks up the Coors, or maybe it was a Cole 45. Right, right, right. Drinks the Cole 45 and then stands right in front of the Pepsi display. And then in his apartment in Venice, he's like a, in a studio apartment with a huge Pepsi sign right, right over the apartment. <laughs> like, I mean, I've never seen an apartment with a Pepsi, a Pepsi logo. logo. <laughs> oh, I need a, oh, God. Oh, it's the, I mean, I, you know, they don't make them like they used to. But no way, man. No Gentlemen, Jerry, I could go on for two hours. I had a, I was, I, it was an honor doing this. Man. I hope Thank you would you. come back. I, whenever. You tell me. I'd love to. Hell yeah. Um, because I really, what I love about this is unlike the industry, I have control of this podcast. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I, I can, I'm in charge of when I put it out, who's on it. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, there's they so many things. They can't stop you, buddy. They can't. Well, they can, they've, they've stopped me, uh, <laughs> you know, but there's so many things like when you're auditioning for a TV show or whatever, you might yeah. just be too old or, or too young uh, or sure, sure. Uh, you, you just might not be the, the booker's uh, taste in comedy and, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. So uh, what's next? for the gentleman Jerry Rocha. Uh, if you have, I'm sure you do. If you have any listeners in the Seattle area, I'll be headlining the Laughs Comedy Club next weekend, the 11th and 12th of May. Who's uh, so, anyone opening for you that you uh, want to plug? I don't know. I feel like I'm a bad I'm a local bad opener. Yeah, I think so. I don't know who it is. And I, if you're listening, if the opener is listening, and I don't, I am sorry for not knowing uh, who you are. It's all uh, good. Yet. But yeah, I'll meet him soon, hopefully. Maybe yeah. it'll be Yoshi Obayashi. Hey, maybe be the great Yoshi. I'd, can, I'd love that. You can follow <laughs> his uh, uh, gay joke. I mean, how bad does a pussy have to smell for you to want ash? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think I have some shit on my dick. <laughs>
That's a good Yoshi. That's horrible. Now, plug, uh, <laughs> since we're on iTunes now, yep. exclusive. Yes. Uh, where can people find you all over social media? Uh, I'm at, at Jerry Rocha on Twitter, at Jerry Rocha Comedy on Instagram. Uh, and my Facebook fan page, I believe, is just Jerry Rocha Comedy. So, yeah, find me. Dude, please. Uh, and your uh, comedy albums, uh, what's the first album on The first album is called Take That Real Dad. The second one is called Pickle Dick. And then I have the one-hour special, which is The Gentleman Jerry Rocha, which is on Netflix right now. And also, he doesn't need it, but uh, follow Gabriel Iglesias. Yeah, my, yeah. I'm serious. Like, yeah, absolutely. That's a dude who, like, you know, got you in the door. Uh, Sweetheart of a man. You know, absolutely. Uh, Jeff Ross is uh, same fellow, real Jeffrey Ross. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, at Roast Battle, follow Roast Battle. Uh, I'm dying up here May 6th, this Sunday, 10 p.m. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Tyler, the creator, the jellies. Never say never on season two. And, uh, you know, guys. Leave a review for Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, but leave it on iTunes. I don't care what you say. Just leave the motherfucking review. <laughs> it helps people. Just do it. And stop asking me when I'm going to do Roast Battle again. <laughs> I'll do it when I want. <laughs> so all you guys out there angling to go to Jeff's pool parties to get positioning on the show, guess what? I've already gotten the phone call. So don't worry about it. Be nice. Stop climbing every Tuesday night, walking around like Conor McGregor in a $10,000 white suit. Because let me tell you something. After roast battle is long gone, you guys are going to run into Philip Michael Thomas when you fall off the face of the earth, Jack. And as the who the heel speeches uh, I have ready for, for my next roast battle challenge, you'll find out sooner than later. <laughs> you might say I'm a good guy. You might say I'm not. Can I lose in roast battle? Sure. I've lost twice in four years, both to women, just like in life. <laughs> it's the old saying, you like to hear someone's doing pretty good, but you don't want to hear they're doing better than you. And I'm doing better than all of you. Just remember that. When you talk shit about me, I always hear it. Always. A lot of things can be done to a person with a phone call. I got a big dick. I got a lot of money. I got life pretty much the way I want it. That's why I'm wearing $200 Air Jordans right now. <laughs> and my shorts cost more than you guys have made in the whole year of doing stand-up. And how dare some of you use Roast Battle as a credit when you weren't on either season, you lying jackals. <laughs>